What is up, DMV basketball fans? Welcome to another Believe in DMV Hoops. I've got a great guest joining me here today, Coach Kenny Blakeney of the Howard University men's uh, basketball team. Uh, Coach Blakeney, thank you so much for coming on here. Matt, thank you for being here. I uh, I said this before we started recording, but I'm going to repeat it for everybody here too. Just the list of of coaches you've been associated with and played for and and worked under is uh, incredible. And I, I just want to spend a little time um, going through that. But first, just got to get our ad reads out of the way here. So we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Every Flavor You Can Think Of, Peach Teas. They're all delici- uh, delicious. And we're also brought to you by Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your betting needs. Uh, you can get the latest odds, lined matchup reports, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, everything. Uh, BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Head to our website and use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so I mentioned a little bit there. Uh, you played at DeMatha under Morgan Wooten, who, if anyone is not familiar with that from the DMV, they should be ashamed. Uh, he is an all-time legend. I guess, what was that experience like? And was being around Coach Wooden like at all influential in your desire to be a coach later in life? Wow. Uh, I I was very lucky and fortunate to have a chance to play for Coach Wooden and attend DeMatha Catholic High School. Um, Some people that know me well uh, may know this, but I went to DeMatha to play football. Oh, interesting. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I went to play football and, uh, you know, wanted to try to pursue that and, was a quarterback and uh, was at the time when I, I was a freshman year, I went to play freshman quarterback and they had been grooming a young man that was uh, a quarterback that they've kind of brought up through the St. Mark system. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately I, I, I didn't get a chance to play quarterback. <laughs> so uh, I ended up playing freshman basketball, uh, freshman football. And then when basketball season came, I, I really locked in and focused on basketball, but have, having a chance to play for coach Wooten was the best uh, one of the best experiences ever. Um, like as much was said about him as being the type of person that he was and the type of coach he was to me in my heart and my soul and my spirit, he was even better. Um, just one of the best basketball coaches to ever do it. Um, one of the best men to ever do it. And, uh, for me, I was just very lucky and fortunate to have a chance to sit in his classroom uh, you know, on the basketball court and try to take in as much as possible. Um, it's We have Rod Bolanis, who was one of my teammates. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. That's on our staff at Howard. And uh, he and I were talking yesterday, and, you know, Coach Wooten's lessons still pop up in our conversation about, you know, how things we see should should go or just little fundamental things that we try to implement in our program. He's still – present with everything we do uh, at Howard and with our, our program. He's also one of those guys that no matter who you talk to about in local basketball, they have a Morgan Wooten story. And it's just when you can touch that many people that didn't even directly, you know, play under you or work for you. Uh, I think that says a lot about him and, and character and um, the legacy there. So very cool. Uh, from there, you really took a to kind of a, a step down, I would say, in, in terms of coaching as a Maryland alum, I think I have to get at least one Duke shot in here uh, at, the, at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, you went to play Duke, played for Coach K. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets between high school and college coaches. Um, what was that experience like overall? And what's it like when Coach K walks into your living room to recruit you to go to somewhere like Duke? Yeah, it's kind of like I was a guy that stepped in shit twice and came out smelling like roses, right? Um, uh, unbelievable. Like, you know, I'm just a little kid from uptown. 
uh, Washington, D.C., and to have those two guys that have been mentors and, and people that have influenced me in my life is just incredible. Um, I, I, I want a Duke, and I need a Duke. And I came from a program that it, 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 it made me go to Duke um, because I wanted to win. And at that point in time, Duke had gone, I think, six out of eight Final Fours and hadn't gotten over the hump yet. But the, the thing that was important to me was that Coach K was a winner. And uh, I, I, you know, I had opportunities to attend a lot of different other schools. Um, but I just remember talking to my cousin who uh, was getting recruited by Oklahoma and wanted me to go to Oklahoma with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just told him, I said, man, I, I want to go to Duke to win a national championship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate and lucky enough to be able to do that um, at Duke. But Coach K was the best. You know, there's uh, what a leader and a person that just can really, I think, uh, lead men better than anybody else I've been around. Um, He commands a room and space like no one else I've been around. Um, I I just really respect the heck out of him. And certainly as a player, you, you know, you don't understand all the different things and nuances that go on with being a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a leader. Um, but stepping back from being a player and now being in a coach and in, in the, in the head coach, um, you know, there is a greater appreciation for the work that he's done and things that he's accomplished. Uh, I, I just can't speak enough about the things that he's done in the game of basketball, but also just I think his uh, his talent of leading men, um, the people that he's influenced, the people that he's touched, uh, either – through Duke or outside of Duke uh, that have gone on to do incredible things. So uh, just really, really lucky to have that opportunity to, uh, to be one of coach K's players. You mentioned uh, wanting to go there and do a lot of winning. You guys obviously did that. You went uh, 99 and 34 during your time at Duke, which is incredible to, to think about that kind of track record. Uh, did you win one national championship there or, or two? Coach I was K-K. part of two national championships there. Red shirt um, the first year or? Yes, sir. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. Um, that's uh, honestly incredible. Um, one of your teammates there, uh, it's a name everybody who likes college basketball will know with Christian Leitner. And uh, I do my Wizards podcast with uh, former Wizard Jihadi White. And we had a Ton Thomas on last week. And they both told a story about how uh, Leitner was the guy that they didn't expect to like and ended up, he was one of their favorite teammates. I guess, what was he like as a college teammate? Um, we've all seen the I hate Christian Leitner documentary and things like that. But what, what's the true story from one of uh, his college teammates? Well, I, I first met Christian when I went on my official visit. Uh, okay. Brian Davis and Christian Leitner hosted me and uh, had a really great weekend with him and Brian and uh, got to, they did an unbelievable job at showing me Duke, um, you know, the Duke way. Um, and from that relationship, when, I remember sitting in my freshman dorm and Christian flew into Raleigh Durham airport his probably junior year. And uh, it was the beginning of school and he didn't have a ride from the airport. Um, and it was before the days of cell phones. So he, mm-hmm. he called the room and typically rooms are passed down from player to player. Okay. So what happened, I, I just happened to be living in that room. He called and uh, I just remember just a funny kind of interaction between us then and there, but, he got to campus and uh, we both love ping pong. Okay. So 
I'm sure he was competitive at that too, right? There's no doubt about it. Um, first time we played, I got the better of him. Okay. He wouldn't play me for about a month. But <laughs> what he did is he went to a ping pong place uh, near campus and practiced every day Jeez. And, and came back. And that's how competitive he is. But I couldn't have a better teammate, uh, somebody that was um, so competitive, that wanted to win, that put winning above everything. Um, but just a guy that was very uh, helpful for me as a young player. Um, I remember my first start was against UVA and it was his junior year. And, you know, I was nervous and he just came over and made sure, you know, I, I didn't want to mess up the, the boat. We sure. were playing for the ACC championship, regular season championship. And my first start um, was going to play some considerable minutes because some guys were injured and he just made me feel comfortable and confident. So um, what a great dude. No, I absolutely can't say enough about Christian and type of person he is. And certainly the type of player that he is, is well documented talk a lot about the Duke brotherhood and you hear those things, but the Duke coaching community coaching tree is almost as impressive as the the player community there too. Uh, you played with Steve Wojciechowski, Chris Collins, Jeff Capel, uh, Trajan Langdon is, is not coaching actively, but he's running the front office down in new Orleans. Um, I, I mean, that's that right there is impressive. And then you mentioned Bobby Hurley and people like that too. Uh, did you guys just sit around and decide you were going to take over the coaching world in the dorms? Like, how, I mean, how, how did that work out that way? Totally. <laughs> I, I think because we all had, you know, a, a great foundation, you know, Steve playing over at Cardinal Gibbons, Bobby playing for his dad at St. Anthony's Trajan uh, kind of, you know, being Mr. Alaska basketball and having an opportunity to grow and develop there. You look at Chris Collins with his dad um, being the former Bulls coach, Wizards coach and uh, Jeff Capel, dad, um, Mr. Felton Capel, who's one of my favorite people ever, um, was a college coach at, at North Carolina A&T and also at Old Dominion. Mm -hmm. um, did some stuff with the 76ers as well. Like everybody came from an incredible pedigree of basketball. Sure. So it's it's I think that's a credit to Coach K um, and understanding how to build a great winning yep. tradition, but also culture is to get people that come from great basketball pedigrees. Um, and that's something that we're trying to do at Howard University uh, right now. So that's just a testament, I think, to Coach K and his vision and understanding uh, how to put those pieces of the puzzle together. That was actually going to be my next question. So great segue here. Um, when you think about things you took from your play experience playing for Coach K, are they more um, on the court tactical things? Or are they more team building, roster building, locker room, chemistry building, um, if you had to pick one side or the other? I mean, Matt, it's even bigger than that. Um, I went to Duke when Duke was, wasn't the Duke that we see today. Sure. Um, you know, I, we were, I, like I mentioned before I got there, I think they went to six out of eight final fours. And you mm -hmm. would think that at that point in time, Duke had arrived, you know, we still had a small locker room, sure. uh, with metal lockers and <laughs> it wasn't the, the bells and whistles that, you know, you would see today or would think, excuse me, that our program would have at that point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, it still was a basic mom and pop kind of operation that just was a program that was on a national level. Sure. Um, so to see how he put together and developed the infrastructure, how he put together and developed the brand, um, how he built his brand, um, because there's kind of like three brands at Duke. There's Duke basketball, mm -hmm. there's Coach K, and there's Duke University. Yep, um, right. And he's been masterful in that 
area in that space uh, and understanding like, you know, a complete, I think, you know, 360 60 degree scope of building a program. Um, he's done it like a business and to uh, see how he's won on the court, the things that he's done uh, off the court is just, I think what a testament to him and his vision and intelligence of uh, uh, how this thing should look, feel, smell. And, you know, today it's, it's, probably one of the most recognizable college brands in yeah. in sport. While you were there during that time, was coaching on your radar? Was that something you thought you might want to get into longer term? Were you taking notes throughout or was this like a, a you know, a later decision uh, toward the end of your college career? It was definitely a later decision. Um, you know, obviously I, every young man, I would hope that uh, plays the game and, and the sport would have dreams and in, in, in about being a professional athlete. Sure. And uh, for, that was first and foremost. But that's, uh, you know, there's only 40 or 50 of those jobs that change over a year. And there's only 400 and probably 50 of them that, you know, are around. So um, for, for for some of us, the, the press conference of retirement comes sooner than later. And I, uh, yeah. I did an interview my senior year with a gentleman named Bob Bender, who was the head coach at the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a spot open for one of his full time assistants. And I, had, I hadn't graduated college yet. It was still the, the the spring of that of '95, my senior year. But the the third spot in the Pac ten at that time, as an assistant coach, was paying was paying six digits. <laughs> and like I said, I was just a little kid from Uptown Washington D.C. And I was like, "Oh wow, there's six digit jobs in coaching. Like this is pretty cool." That yeah, doesn't sound too bad. Doesn't sound too bad for a 22, 23 year old guy. Let me. Let me start to kind of work towards this this industry a little bit. So that was a thing that was, you know, and, and having great talks with, with Tommy Amaker and Mike Bray. Um, Mike Bray had a lot of the same pedigree as me, went to DeMatha, coached DeMatha, was uh, an assistant coach at Duke. Uh, Tommy Amaker from the area, Washington, uh, W.T. Woodson, played at Duke, uh, coached at Duke at the time. And, you know, they were just saying like, hey, when you look at your pedigree, You've played for Coach K. You've played for Morgan Wooten. Like, you know, for you in this path, there's not too many people like you. Yeah, that's a pretty that. good leg up. So it, it was a, a number of things that really kind of helped and pushed me in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very grateful that I I, I became a coach and, and listened to those guys. Just the, I mean, I could do another couple minutes just on all the other guys that you eventually coached under, um, but just couple ones to throw out here. Lefty Drizel, former Maryland coach at, at JMU. Uh, Mike Bray, while he was still at Delaware. Tommy Amaker at Harvard. Was that like an intentional choice by you to get as much experience under as many different um, coaches? that They all kind of have slightly different styles, I would say, but they, they're all really good at what they do. I, I guess, was that just sort of how it played out or was that something you had in mind to kind of learn from as many different um, people as possible? No, Matt, that's a great question. Uh, part of it is just trial and error, to be honest. Um, sure. Part of it is just familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't get an assistant coaching job at Maryland uh, mm-hmm. or at Georgetown. Um, I, I'd never, you know, I, I tried. <laughs> um, but being a dookie, they, you know, sometimes that doesn't, as as good as it may be from the outside world, uh, from from the bigger scope of the world, that may not be the best things for, for, for everyone. Sure. So um, my, my blessing sometimes was a curse. Um, so thankfully I had great mentors like Tommy Amaker that gave me an opportunity. 
Mike Bray, David Henderson, Lefty Drizel, who's actually a Dookie as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I've been very fortunate that the Duke pedigree and, and family tree has have taken care of me in the past. And, you know, I I, I speak to those guys on a regular. And uh, you know, with with Coach Amaker and Coach Bray, they've been so hands-on in my development and with the things that I'm doing at Howard. Uh, you know, I made sure when we, we won the, the, the MEAC tournament this year and the MEAC uh, conference championship to get those guys' reigns. That's, uh, that's how influential they've been on my life. And I, I can't – I tell them both, I say, I never can repay you for what you've done, but hopefully I can make you proud. Um, so that's been – our relationship and those our, our dukies, Quinn Snyder down in Atlanta has been incredible. Antonio Lang, one of my teammates who's an assistant coach with Quinn, mm -hmm. has been extremely helpful in building and developing a lot of the things we do at Howard. So um, it's been a family and effort, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I think that's like a DMV mindset too, right, of just kind of everybody seems to rally around people from, from the DMV, and um, it's – it's nice to hear you you giving shout outs to those guys as well. I think that's something that I've heard a lot doing this podcast from from other coaches in the area. It's just that, um, especially around here, people try to do that with you. I'm glad to hear that the the Duke connection is real and it's like that uh, as well. Um, I, we'll get into sort of the X's and O's aspect of this year a little bit, and I, I think you're a great tactician, but also uh, some real recruiting wins here too. Um, mentioned the uh, time at Harvard, but. Your credit is the guy that kind of found Jeremy Lin. Uh, you also got McCord Maker to come to Howard. He's the first five-star recruit to ever go to an HBCU. Is that something you pride yourself in? Is just one finding lesser heralded guys, but also being able to get, you know, somebody of a higher profile to trust you enough to to come to a program like Howard and help you build things up the right way. Yeah, I, I thank you for saying that. I, I I've never thought about it. I, mm -hmm. I honestly haven't ever thought about it. Um, it. It's just been something that's natural. Right. It's a relationship. It's not something that's transactional to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always looked at it as, you know, I'm stepping into this lane, uh, certainly to present our university to you and our basketball program. But also, um, you know, I was talking to a good friend, uh, Herb Courtney, who is now uh, was a former player at the University of Delaware. I recruited him when I was there as an assistant coach and he went on to become an assistant coach and did a tremendous job in the basketball ranks and started the first black kind of higher education search firm called Renaissance. And he and I were talking yesterday and, you know, it, it's kind of funny how things come full circle, but the, the gist of this part that I'm talking about is that, you know, when, when we're talking, he and I said, like I, I said, Herb, when I recruited you, I, I told you I'll be there for you you know, throughout the duration. It's just not a, a, a deal where you're coming to be, you know, four years or however long. Sure. It's not a stepping stone. Or, kind of thing, right? Not a stepping stone. And, uh, you know, so I, that's for me that how that's been like who I am as uh, I guess a coach, as a recruiter. Um, and it means more to me uh, to be able to, I think, have those kind of relationships where if I can ever be there for them, uh, you know, throughout their, their duration and their, their journey as, you know, becoming a, a, a college student athlete to a man, to a husband. Um, I'm certainly there. I'm a, I'm a phone call away or a car ride away or a plane ride away. 
Um, and, and I think that really resonates a lot with our student athletes that we recruit and present our, our program to. So um, I've just been lucky. Um, I think that I, I, I've, um, you know, have taken an opportunity and a deep dive and really understanding what talent is. Um, and, and seeing that one of the jobs that I've had, uh, outside of basketball is I was basically the talent, the talent evaluator at Under Armour. Oh, that's huge. And, and, uh, would see 1500 kids a summer. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, trying to evaluate 1500 kids a summer, you're seeing every different tier and level of kid. Um, so I've just been, I've been lucky just to kind of sit in the right classrooms, Matt, and, uh, to be around the right people and, you know, take in everything I can while being in those classrooms and around those people. Um, and hopefully it, it pays off in the long run. Um, that's a very humble answer, by the way. And I, I respect that. I mean, you, you got to be able to make the most of those opportunities when they come up. And uh, I think just given the success you guys have had already, you're definitely doing that. Um, I try to research these things pretty hard when I do these interviews. And, and one of the things that um, I continually like seeing uh, from you specifically is just some of your responses about, uh, you know, you guys have kind of, I'm going to air quotes, turn this thing around a little bit at, at Howard already hadn't had a winning season there in almost 20 years. And in year three, you guys immediately had, you know, had a winning season going 16 and 13, went 22 and 13 last year. Uh, but every quote I can find about uh, that success so far um, is basically you talking about like, yeah, we did that, but we're not dwelling on that, not wanting to be complacent, um, trying to move on from that immediately. I really respect that mindset. I just got two quotes for you, not to read you back to you, but for the listener at home, uh, said, I wasn't Howard's first choice. And I knew that I was probably their fourth or fifth choice for a lot of guys in our program that didn't have options. They were overlooked. We have guys on our staff that people gave up on. And you also said for a school in a program that hadn't done it in a long time, it's been intoxicating in a bad way. I'm very guarded about this upcoming year. I'm ready to get started. We need to start as soon as possible. I love that. Is that, is that something that just comes natural to you? Is that something you've learned over time like that, that you want to focus on? And do you kind of look for players that have a similar kind of chip or mindset, um, you know, about, about success and building on it? Yeah. I mean, wow, that, that got me a little, <laughs> took me back a little bit um, because I, I remember that quote and, and, you know, starting from the first part, you know, going through the process, I, I wasn't Howard's first choice mm-hmm. and uh, that's fine. But I, when I was going through the process, I, I told our AD that I would be the best hire he's ever made, and, and you know, while he's been a leader. You make um, him look good so far. I, I'm doing my best, and, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I, I, just to make it clear, I, I have a six-year-old daughter, and she was talking about colleges the other day. Mm-hmm. And I, I told her, I was like, no matter where you go or what school you attend, Howard will be on your list of three. Yeah, that's um, because I'm that grateful for them giving me the opportunity and what I, I've had to make the most of the opportunity. But sure. yeah, when you look at our team, like our, our you know, the, our first recruiting classes, we had guys that didn't have scholarships. Um, you know, they were overlooked like I was probably being overlooked. Um, they didn't get opportunities like I didn't get opportunities. Um, and it wasn't intentional that we were building our program like this, but, you know, with our staff, with some of our assistant coaches, um, with most of our kids on our team. Um, yeah, it was just a, a, we were a group of guys that had at that point in time been overlooked, uh, undervalued. And, uh, it was, you know, when, when you put that collective power and everybody 
authentically understands that and genuinely understands it, it can be powerful. And uh, when you look at our team this year, we have some young men that are probably along the same lines as the the guys that we've had in the past. We have Hmm. Steph Towns who, you know, for a lot of people, they've given up on. He's had a Uh, tough go of it the last couple of years with injuries and things too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and at one point in time, he gave up on himself, Hmm. you know, and retired from basketball. Um, You know, we have a a gentleman that was uh, played two years at Minnesota Duluth, graduated as a sophomore and is in law school. Um, you know, and, and he's had his challenges, uh, and, and just so we, we, we have a group of guys that for some reason or another, I guess we've all gravitated to one another that hopefully we can use that as fuel and ammunition to kind of, you know, help us pursue another championship this year. I think, you know, not to put this on you guys, but you know, a lot of times when you have that sort of special group and it's the guys like that, when they come together in kind of the right ways and, and seem like that was kind of the case last year of just things worked out for you. Um, but what are the goals with the program? Like is last year where you guys want to be like, what, what's your expectations for, for what Howard can be and, and where you want to get it to? Yeah, I, I'm a dreamer, Matt. And you know, one of the kind of hashtags we have for our program is that we're the dream factory. Um, and the reason why is because there's been so many wonderful accomplishments that have uh, been done on our campus from the first black Supreme court justice to the first black, you know, vice president of the United States. You can go down the line. Marianne Shad Carey is the first black woman to vote in a major election to, you know, if you look at mayor Dinkins of New York, the first black mayor of New York, the first black governor of Virginia, um, there's been a ton of first and some incredible accomplishments from Howard University, but Howard has never had a sustainable Division One basketball program that I, I think could could do things in a way that just I, I, I you know when I'm thinking about it, it it's it's huge. Mm-hmm. Like you know when I've gone down to the African American Museum here in Washington D.C. Um, and I think about who our constituents can be like everybody that's coming into the African-American museum um, understands and uh, has probably an affinity or of some sorts with Howard University. Um, our university is global. It is known across the, the world. And if we can get this basketball thing rolling to a point where you know, we're going to the NCAA tournament every year. We're winning games. We have a chance to get to the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 or, you know, hell, Final Four. Um, I I just think that that could be such a wonderful story knowing that uh, HBCU uh, in the heart of Washington, D.C., that has all the history that it does, especially academically and with our alum's success, to have like a successful basketball program will ignite this place as if it's never been ignited before. So there's a big picture of kind of a vision of this. Uh, a, a lot of it is, is a dream, but you know, I, I that's, that's been who I am. I, I don't dream myself to the math Duke and now being the head coach at Howard, if that, you know, wasn't the case. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what this thing can be. I don't know what can, it can become, but I do know what it can become. But, I, you know, now there's steps to get there. Um, sure. Before it was an undervalued stock, right? And now we're actually relevant in 
conversations in college basketball, which is so crazy. Um, and, and now can we can we become one of those universities that, you know, can we become a Gonzaga? Can we become a Loyola Chicago? Can we become a St. Mary's? Can we become a San Diego State? Can we be one of these mid-major programs that, you know, in the conversation of the NCAA tournament are, are is making a run year in and year out and winning games? It's going to be my next question too, just sort of the ingredients you need to be able to build a mid-major, air quotes, program into something bigger and uh, I think Howard has those things. It has an esteemed alumni base. It's from a metropolitan area where people are interested in the sport. It's a recruiting field that that's ripe with with talent. And you have a prestigious uh, academic institution that should you know people should want to go there and get a degree from. Uh, to me, like those are all huge factors, and it seems like um, you know you guys have already taken that first step toward making that happen and obviously you need some help along the way and and now a lot of the conversation around things like nil has become you know like who's going to give like what alums are giving money and things like that but i also think that's twofold where uh promoting and and uplifting the basketball program helps you guys then promote the university and and spread that name and get more people interested in the school and get more alums and the next generation of kids so I think that's a really cool, um, you know, cyclical thing to be a part of there. No, you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, you know, in, in college basketball, it's kind of funny. I, I was lucky to be a fly in the room uh, one day when Coach Bray and Coach K were, were having a conversation. And it was like Coach K was talking about when he recruits a young man, mm-hmm. you know, his competition is the NBA. And they need to have all the bells and whistles that NBA teams have. And Coach Bray talked about, because he was at a mid-major college at the time, University of Delaware, that, you know, when he recruits a kid, you know, he has to recruit a kid the same way at Delaware that high majors recruit kids at at Power 5 schools. And the reason is because you have these young men that play AAU, high school basketball. um, They're friends with these young men, and and they see how they're getting recruited. So, you know, in, 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 in that vein, yeah, you have to have some of these bells and whistles that our five schools have. You have to have an NIL package or collective mm-hmm. that is making an effort to try to, you know, give you the best possibility and chances to to get young men year in and year out. Um, you have to have the infrastructure set up, right? You have to have locker rooms, practice facilities, great training facilities, uh, you know, gym renovations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a schedule that you can play that say we have games on TV because their friends are playing on TV. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of things that go into it uh, that it's, you know, when you start peeling the orange back and, and looking at the, the different layers of it, um, Matt, it's challenging. I, I yeah. again, I was with Rod Blanish yesterday and we were just kind of talking and he said at some point he goes, look, you know, beyond the fundraising, beyond all this other stuff that you do to, to build this program up, he goes, you know, at some point in time, you know, you just have to lock in and focus on coaching our team mm-hmm. um, because there's so many different hats that you can wear as a head coach. Right. You can, you know, as much as you can have, uh, you know, try to do stuff with the collective and, and whatever that looks like and whatever you can do at that, you know, so you have that. You have trying to build and develop the infrastructure. Um, you're trying to be a fundraiser. You're trying to build, you know, locker rooms. You're trying to build new offices. You're trying to recruit. Um, you, you, you know, you're you have 
young men on your team that you have to mentor and, and, and be a, you know, a big brother to at, at points in times or an uncle or even a father figure to some, mm-hmm. um, you gotta worry about the academics. You gotta worry about different things that are happening in the, in, in the NCAA, um, schedule games, whatever those things are, it never ends. So, um, and then at, at, at the, the thing that you really get paid for is that you have to win games, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. and graduate young men. So it comes to a point where at, at some point in time, there's so many different things that go on to building a program and building a, a competitive program that I think young men see as a viable option for themselves. Um, but yeah, you have to lock in and, you know, I'm going to put a, a little sticky on my, on my cell phone that says coach the team. Because uh, that is the most important thing that I can be doing right now to help our university, I think, with the visibility and the brand uh, possible. You mentioned all those hats uh, and having to just coach the team. And I I think just transitioning into this year's roster, you've put a really talented one together. I mean, as somebody, I feel like I watch as much college basketball as anybody. And there are some names here that maybe the casual fan doesn't know. And, and I hope, you know, the DMV basketball fans especially will come to know over the course of the season because uh, you got some dudes and uh, you know, obviously it's all got to fit together and, and all those things, but uh, having a talented roster is not a bad place uh, to start out here. I just want to maybe start out. Well, first of all, you lost three starters from last year and, and you guys had a very kind of balanced approach to last year's team, I, I think. So that's sometimes makes it tougher than just replacing, you know, one guy, but um, let's start with Shy Odom. Maybe I, I think uh, that's that's a young man who could probably be player of the league this year in the conference, and uh, that's probably maybe the first first name for for uh, fans uh, to know as they kind of get familiar with the, this Howard team. Yeah, and that's that's a great one to start with. Uh, Shaheem Odom uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts, and he went to high school at Sierra Canyon. Was friend with uh, teammates with Bronny James, just to give you a little bit more context on it. Um, he is. For me, um, I'm so proud of him. I, I've seen so much growth. And Matt, I'm not just saying that. Just like, you know, I, I, the growth that he's had off the court and the growth that he's had as a leader with our, our team has been night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, maturity that he's shown this year. Um, he's done things off the court uh, to prepare himself for this year. He's a vegetarian now. Um, gotten his body in great shape. He's really worked on a lot of deficiencies that he's had in the past and made them um, a lot stronger. Um, He's been an unbelievable teammate and somebody that I have a very high expectation for. Um, He's only a sophomore, but, you know, I I think that Shaheem has his best basketball ahead of him. And he's already done a whole lot in this space uh, at college and also in high school. So, Looking forward to him. He's six six. He probably weighs about two fifteen, two ten right now, and uh, has really worked on becoming a more solid and stable perimeter player. Shooting the ball really well right now from the three point line, and uh, excited to kind of put Shy out there. The you know don't know how it's going to work. The piece is going to come together, but he has such a uh, I think a skill set with him that really just connects our team that I'm excited about. I think if anyone's just looking at like his stats from last year, you're thinking like, maybe like, Oh, well, like, Oh, okay. but I, I think he seems like the kind of guy that just really fits what you all seem to like to do. Um, and, and you need those kind of guys that 
um, carry over and establish that identity for the next year's team. And another one is Jelani Williams. Uh, this is somebody that's going to get in you and get after you and um, the way you all play defense and uh, picking people up full court. Like he's, he's somebody that seems like he would be a tone setter for, for everybody else on the roster too. Matt, he, first and foremost, he is the best leader I've ever been around wow, um, awesome. on, a, on a team sport period. Like not even close. Like I've been around some incredible leaders. Yeah, sure. He is the best leader I've ever been around. And I think part of what I've made, what's made our team successful and, and given us an opportunity to, to, to kind of had some uh, consistency mm-hmm. is our, our team is run by our student athletes and our leaders. Um, so it allows me to just kind of coach our team now. And a lot of the times I don't even have to do that because they'll do it before I even can, can make the, uh, you need that. Yeah. So, um, and Jelani is the guy that is, is front and center with a lot of that. Um, I, I can't speak enough on the type of person he is, the type of character, the type of leader. Um, he's a guy that probably will be running some fortune 500 company or a guy that's in, you know, up on Capitol Hill or, you know, can be potentially a general manager or a president of an NBA club. Like that's the type of dude he is, uh, you know, went to Howard University Middle School. So he's very familiar with the campus and the culture of Howard, went to Sidwell Friends as a high school kid, Mm -hmm. um, did his undergraduate at UPenn and now getting his master's in finance from Howard University. I mean, there's not a better resume (laughs) in the country than that right there. It's a good start in life. Yeah. It's a great start. And then he happens to be one of the most competitive people that I've ever been around as well. Um, super skill can do anything on a basketball court. Unfortunately, uh, for him that he lost three seasons to ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he lost those three seasons to ACL injuries, we've at Howard have actually been able to benefit because we, we were able to get him, uh, once his eligibility was done at Penn to come play for us at Howard. And, uh, we wouldn't be yet champions last year if it wasn't for him. So um, I can't speak enough about him and the type of person he is. And that that character piece, Matt, is going to be consistent with all the people we talk about on our team because I love each and every one of those guys and who they are and their character. They all are high character people. I think a common theme of, of successful teams is that it has to be some amount player driven. No matter how good you and your staff are, it, it still has to come from from those leaders of the team. And when you've got someone like that, that's bounced back from those kind of injuries and especially something like defense, like he, he could take it easy. He could slack, you know, but um, that's a want to effort kind of thing. So nobody else can kind of take a day off because he's not taking a day off. And I, I got to imagine that that's um, especially for the way you all play basketball. Like that's, that's a big piece of that. Um, you know, everybody coming in new to this program, that's the first guy you see playing that way. Uh, I got to imagine there's no excuses for anybody else at that point. Absolutely, Matt. Matt, he, he, you're right on point. He, I, I just, you know, we, we need to rest him and we need to sure. monitor how he practices. Mm-hmm. And I'll turn around and I'm like, you're supposed to be sitting out and he's out on the court diving for, <laughs> for loose balls or protect him from himself a little yeah. bit. Right? He's just, but that's who he is. And so uh, I, I, like I said, I couldn't speak enough about him because he's uh just the type of young man he is. He's the best. Why not? We mentioned uh, Seth Towns here a little bit. Anybody that follows uh, the Big Ten or any of the other local programs maybe remembers that name from Ohio State. Hasn't played since 2020-2021 uh, season. 
had his own, you know, litany of injuries and things like that. I, I guess, is he fully healthy? Will we see, you know, full Seth Towns this season, or are we going to kind of ease him into the year a little bit? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, he is right now practicing. Um, we're monitoring his, his wear and tear on his body, sure. um, but he's gotten to a point where he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pain-free, you know, and we want to make sure that we can have him for the duration. Uh, but, I mean, Matt, if all things being equal, if he was healthy, he'd be in the NBA. Right. Um, 6'8", he is really skilled. He can do any and everything on the court. Has been a consistent 40% three-point shooter his whole college career. Um, And, you know, he really stands for everything that our university stands for and what our program stands for. Um, During the George Floyd uh, murder and the social unrest. Seth was in Columbus, Ohio, the day that he graduated from Harvard, mm-hmm. protesting, and uh, because he was protesting, a, you know, a group of police officers came up and um, arrested him for for being part of the protests. Um, but you know, he, he's he he, you know that, and that's a big part of our university. Not yeah. that we want our young people to go out and to to get arrested or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but. Sure. But doing the right thing and, and standing up for what they believe in. And- Absolutely. That's yeah. what our university is built on. Uh, social justice and and, and, and and equality. And Seth really stands for both of those things and uh, and even more. Um, but just excited about him this year and what he can bring to our program, I think, on and off the court. Um, you know, I, I, he, he had a big smile on his face last practice uh, because he, you know, had a great practice and just – was able to get through a lot of it pain-free and no That's swelling great. on the knee. And, you know, he's, he's going through uncharted territory uh, right now with his health. Uh, and, and it's very exciting for him. So I'm, I'm happy for him. I think the reason Howard is also such a good situation for him is just, you guys do have some depth here and, and you don't have to rely on him to be 29 minutes a game every night to, to have a chance in these games, which is, which is great um, from an outsider perspective, looking in maybe the one thing I would say um, is, is kind of questionable on paper so far would be the three point shooting hard to beat, um, you know, threes with twos. But I think there are some better shooters on your roster than, than maybe they've shown uh, thus far uh, in their career here. Obviously Marcus Dockery, former Terp, he shoots the shit out of it already, but are, are there any other guys here that, that you're expecting a big year from shooting the ball that, that maybe haven't shown it on the court so much so far? Yeah, Matt, that, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I think one thing is that what we, the way we play is we love our players to get standstill feet set threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not doing a whole lot off the bounce and sure. getting into their bag and then pulling up for three. Um, so we feel like if our guys can get, great standstill feet set threes that we're going to shoot a higher percentage. We got Mm -hmm. Jordan Harrison, who's a a local young man. He went to Flint Hill, uh, Northern Virginia, and, uh, you know, he's shot over 43% uh, for a year when he was at, you know, Texas Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. So we think that he's a guy that can shoot it really well. Seth Towns has shot it over 40% every year that he's been eligible and played. Um, we really feel Marcus Dockery can be a guy this year that I think he was at 42, 43% last year. We, we think that he can be right around that, 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 that range or even higher. Um, you know, we, we have guys that I think can really, really shoot it, but it's just the type of shots that they get 
yeah. is going to be really important for us. For anyone who hasn't seen Howard play, uh, I think you guys are always incredible from a ball movement perspective, From at least from what I've seen. Not that I've seen every Howard game ever, but um, at least last year's team, that seemed like a hallmark. And uh, I have heard that you uh, do some amount of practicing where guys are not allowed to dribble and they must take a certain amount of passes before they're allowed to shoot the ball. And I think that probably leads to some of those standstill threes and, and things like that. Is is that something that you guys are really harping on with this year's team again and trying to reinforce? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to be a little different this year. Um, we'll play more inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I had a great conversation with Grant Hill, um, who is, I, I think, the president of USA Basketball. Now. Also a former teammate of yours too, right? Yeah, and this was right after the FIBA uh, World Championships, which, mm-hmm. you know, the USA... Um, you know, I, I don't even know if we meddled uh, in that situation, but we were just talking about the, t- the style of play that I was thinking about this year, which is going to be more inside out. I still want to play with pace and in space, but I think our strength is going to be a little bit more. Can we play bully ball? Mm-hmm. Um, Dom Campbell, young man that transferred from Notre Dame. He's six, eight, six, nine, 260 pounds. Shaheem Odom is a big body, you know, I don't know what position he is. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Harris is a big body, again, positionless basketball player. Um, Ty Woe, who is a guy that has played limited minutes for us, but he's going to have a, a presence for us this year, is 6'9", 6'10", 250 pounds, a big body guy with great hands and great touch around the basket. Um, we have bigger guards in Jelani Williams, Isaiah Warfield, Isaiah transferred from Liberty and has two years of eligibility as a grad transfer. Um, so we have bigger bodies. Seth Towns at 6'8 um, and very strong upper body is a guy that can post. So I want to really, I think, try to dominate the paint. And uh, in doing so, I, I think it's going to give us an opportunity to, uh, to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the FIBA World Championships, a lot of those European teams still yeah. play through the post. Mm-hmm. Um, you see guys that are on these European uh, teams that are kind of like role players for their NBA teams or very limited uh, in their role, be stars with their, with their national teams. Mm-hmm. And the way that college basketball teams are trying to build right now is they're building with more positionless five out basketball uh, players. So, we think that by being really physical, playing inside out, uh, where teams are kind of, you know, architecturally building teams the opposite way, will give us a greater chance to to play and have success for this year's team. Another blueprint it seems relatable for you guys too is the NBA champion from last year too in in the Denver Nuggets. You've mentioned, um, you know, letting Dom Campbell kind of do the Nurkic role, right, and and play out of the high post and create for other guys and. And that seems to be working in basketball right now. So not a bad blueprint to, to try to follow. Absolutely not. No, I'm so excited about Dom Campbell. And it's kind of uh, interesting when I look at some of the preseason uh, analytics and uh, different publications, not a lot of people have given him mm-hmm. any thought of being a really good player in our league, yet along our team. I saw one thing that said he'd be like a, a six and a half point a game guy and you know, a couple of rebounds. And I was just like, wow, that's not the same guy I see every day in practice, sure. like, you know, getting, you know, going, getting busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, he's going to be, he's going to have a chance to be player year. 
Um, and uh, that, you know, to have two guys on your team that probably are legit player year candidates is, uh, you know, that's, I, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, one of the things I consistently advocate for in basketball is more inside out play. So I love to hear that. But the other one is just, uh, it, it seems like some of the teams that had success in last year's NCAA tournament were really good about attacking the offensive glass. So you think about San Diego state, that's something you guys did a very good job of last year too. Is that a point of emphasis for you all, or is that just sort of how it worked out with the personnel you guys had? Well, that's a great question, Matt. I think when, when I look at basketball, um, my second year, uh, actually my year three for me, we, we lost year two because of COVID. Um, but year three for me, I think we had right around seven to nine games that we lost probably by one to three possessions. And I, it made me think about like, how do you, how do you steal possessions? Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I, I kind of checked the boxes on a couple different areas um, on how to steal possessions. And we try to emphasize it every day in practice and offensive rebounding is, is certainly one. Um, and again, this year, having the type of bodies we have, um, I, I want our, our guys just to really dominate and, and try to be, uh, I don't want to use the word bullies because I don't want to have the wrong connotation, sure. but, but the context of it is I, I want them to dominate the post. Yeah. Um, because we do have those bodies. We, we, have, we have big physical guys that aren't afraid to be big and physical. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to do that. It's, it's a little bit like a boxer, right? And that's my analogy to them. Like, you know, before we were a lot of pace and we we're a lot of space and we shot more threes. And that, that was kind of how we were built, you know, and we were able to kind of wear teams down, picking them up full court, playing a faster pace. And using 10, you know, players each game to kind of wear teams down. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to still try to wear teams down, but it's going to be structurally and tactically a little different. Like for, from a boxing perspective now, we're going to be more a body punching team. Sure. Where can we attack your body? Or for football reference, can we be a, 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 like the Washington Power Sports? run team. Yeah. yeah, can we be Rigo and the boys yep. with the hogs up front? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of, my vision this year. And, you know, I talk about our guys, like each and every time you have a chance to touch somebody or hit somebody with a screen or a box out or um, anything where it's within the structure of the rules that we do within our offensive defense to do it, not yeah. being dirty, not being breaking any rules, but like if we can set a nice hard screen on a pick and roll, hit them. Yeah, if we make can, them feel you. Yeah. Make them feel you. And over a period of 40 minutes, we really feel like, you know, getting hit when we called it getting touched uh, over and over before a period of 40 minutes will really, I think, wear teams down both mentally and physically. So that's kind of the, the vision for this year's team and what I'd like to see happen. But so offensive rebounding is part of that that equation. Yes. I think so much about what you're talking about here is, is just controlling pace in one way or the other. And when you press people full court and things like that, like that's controlling the pace, but also when you make the, you know, the point of emphasis to, to put the ball in the paint, have a long extended possessions, let them kick it out, reestablish in the post, like you're just controlling pace a, a different way. And I think that's, um, 
the thing I like more about college basketball, maybe than NBA basketball is it, it seems a little, there, there are more ways to do that. It seems like, so uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching that for anyone who hasn't seen Howard play before. Um, give them the sales pitch here. Like, uh, like let's, let's get people excited for this year's team. And um, what can they expect when they watch a Howard university bison's basketball game this season? Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I, I say this respectfully and I, I, I do mean that I, I don't want to come off brash or any kind of way, but, over the last uh, two years, we are the winningest Division One basketball program in the DMV. Four wins in the University of Maryland, Georgetown University, George Mason, American University, and George Washington. And that hasn't happened probably since the early 80s or late 70s. Um, so we're extremely proud of that. And if you come see a Howard University game, you're going to see a fun product that is fun to play and fun to watch. Um, I think like for me, you know, I, I talk to our guys about like, I want us to be the smartest basketball team in the country. Um, I don't know if that can happen, but I, that's what I want us to be. And we have young men that have high basketball IQs. We won't be perfect, um, but our intentions will be great. And uh, if you come see our Howard basketball game, I definitely know you'll come back for a second one. Um, we're going to have, you know, I think we were the only team last year in the, in the city that won a conference championship and won a, uh, and won a tournament, uh, championship in their league. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're pursuing that this year. I saw with so many different publications, they have us right there, either one or two. Yep. Um, and I think that's, uh, probably accurate for our talent and looking at the league, which had so much turnover. Um, we think we had with our kind of um, base guys, more continuity than any other, other team uh, in the league. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, I have not been to a game personally, but I hear good things about Burr Arena. So I'm looking forward to checking that out this year. It holds almost 3,000 people. That seems like the right kind of uh, college basketball environment. It gets pretty loud in there from what I hear. So um, I think that's another sales pitch for people to come see a good, fun basketball environment. Well, definitely, Matt. And I think the other thing, too, for families, like it, economically, yeah. it is very reasonable. Um, right. Our ticket sales are very affordable. Um, our concession area is very affordable. And uh, in terms of the HBCU culture and the Howard culture, um, our games are entertaining. We have a disc jockey. We have several dance teams. We have our band playing. Uh, so it, it is a great bang for the buck. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up about uh, our, our arena. It, for me, it, it reminds me of Cameron Indoor Stadium a little bit. That's cool. Um, and it's one of the things that I told my AD when I got the job uh, that, you know, he talked about a relationship that he has and that the university has with the Go-Go's arena um, mm -hmm. and moving our games there. But I was like, you know, Cameron Indoor Stadium is only, you know, seven, 8,000 people mm -hmm. there, right? Um, and they can probably seat 15 to 20 every night. Mm -hmm. They've never changed Cameron into a stadium. And yep. the second thing is I wanted our students to have a great campus, uh, you know, experience, like yeah. not to travel over to the Go-Go's Arena. That would take several hours to get there and get back and, yep. you know, a couple hours with the game. And I just felt like that would take them away from being students uh, and then, you know, what the, what memories could they have if we have a, a, a really good team, uh, coming to Burr and, uh, and just walking from their dorm and, and headed back to their dorm after the game. So, um, for us, it's all about our students having a great student experience at our games.
And if you help them have a good experience, they come out more, which in turn helps you. And I think that's a, a win-win for everybody. Absolutely, Matt. But the other thing that happens too is that, you know, when they're in the position to donate and give back yeah. uh, or tell a young people in their area, if they're doing stuff in the alumni space, that Howard is a place where I had the best four years of my life, that's a win as well. Yeah, that's really cool to be able to play a part in that for for everybody. And, and it, you know, that's one of the things people talk about at a school is how good the academics were and how much fun they had during the experience. So um, basketball and, and sports definitely play a, a big part of that. So very cool. Uh, Coach, last thing for you, just switching gears away from basketball a little bit here. Can you give us one fun fact about you? Uh, guilty pleasure TV show, music, like something uh, that the average person may not know about you. Oh, wow. Um, that is a tough question. One thing, maybe, uh, maybe this, that I, I still can skateboard. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I still can skateboard. I want to learn to surf and, uh, uh, let's see guilty pleasures on TV. I don't watch anything but news and ESPN or gotcha. basketball. So Can't blame you. <laughs> I, I, I do want our Washington commanders to, uh, to get it right. Yeah. And uh, part of getting it right is move back to DC. Let's get RFK rocking and rolling or whatever yeah, there the you go. place would be. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge football fan and would love to see this place get rocking and rolling again. That would definitely be nice. Being, being in the city, I, I think is a really good starting point for that too. It's the same thing, build up the fan base, build up the, well, not they need to build the fan base, but build up the environment like that. That helps the team. I think there too. Very cool. Uh, don't let any of those players skateboard. Okay. We can't afford to have any of them uh, breaking any bones or anything. We just got to keep them off the motorized scooters, Matt. That's yeah. It. yeah <laughs> there you go. If we can do that. Uh, Coach Blakeney, this is so great. Thank you for doing it and making this much time. I, I truly didn't mean to keep you for an hour, but I think I could ask you another two hours worth of stuff. So uh, we would love to have you back anytime. And I'm wishing you a ton of success. And I will definitely be making it to a game this year. And I hope everybody listening to this uh, makes it out to a bunch as well. Thank you, Matt. This has been one of the most enjoyable interviews I've had. I appreciate you and I uh, thought you did a hell of a job. So thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. All right, everybody. Uh, this is Howard University's coach, Kenny Blakeney. Check them out. They're awesome. If you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you all next time.